This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for being here and being here all week long, closer and closer to Christmas. you got to start zeroing in on what you're getting and how much money you have. Steve Moore, speaking of money, will be a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation, esteemed economist uh, with Freedom Works. He'll be with us to break down what the economy means to you and uh, how it's going to reflect it, what it's going to be like in 2023. Also, the, mar- the market was terrible yesterday, great the day before. What happened? We'll find out. Also, what's going on with crypto? Should we stay out for good? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally, nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. Number three. I hope that he does seek re-election. He's been a great and look at what he's accomplished. You a lot of he people. Run again. Yeah, he's done an excellent, excellent job. And he runs. I'm going to support him all the way. Well, they're about the same age. Nancy Pelosi breaking bread on CNN with Chuck Schumer. Man, I wish they needed the third wheel. 2024, Jill's all in, which means so is Joe. What does this mean for the GOP? And will anyone take on President Biden in his own party? And what does this mean for the only declared candidate, Donald Trump? Number two. Well, everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're just your citizen. Uh, no special treatment. You dox, you dox, you get suspended. Musk erupts, allowing a personal dox to result in many suspensions on outlets that have never faced any challenges like this before. Washington Post, CNN, New York Times. Question is, is this the best practice for any balanced social media platform? Number one. The end of Title 42 we all knew was coming, and I have asked over and over again the administration, what is your plan when this ends? And they kept saying, we're going to have this great plan. Well, they released out to us their plan. Their plan is the same six-point plan they've had the entire year. Not to be believed. The administration says they've done the work and are ready for the end of Title 42, December 21st. But not a single American, especially that senator from Oklahoma, believes it. As we watch a massive wave flood the southern border. You know, coming up in about 15 minutes, I'm going to play Jeb Bush, a little of the Jeb Bush interview I did. He doesn't give many interviews, came out and got his perspective on uh, the newest governor of Florida with national ambitions, Governor Ron DeSantis. Of course, uh, uh, we have uh, his look at what's going on with Disney and everything else. So you'll hear that in a matter of moments. And, of course, One Nation coming up Saturday at 8 o'clock. You'll hear the full interview with Jeb Bush. You'll have the interview with Carl Rove as well as Mike Gallagher. And so much more. So you have the big three. That is what's going on. So where do we begin? How about what's going on at the border? Stunning. So far in fiscal year 2022, 2.3 million, over 2.3 million people have crossed illegally. In just the, uh, in just the El Paso area, this month, 
150,000 people. Can you imagine your town? You're probably in a small town. Forget if you're in a big city, but you've lived in a small town. Just 150,000 people just added to your streets, sleeping on the street. So the president goes, I'm going to give them $6 million. Okay. I don't care what you give them. It's all our money. It's all spent on people from another country. Why are we working to give up 60% of our money between state and local taxes to people who are in need from another country? They're in need because they're in ours. Not because they're in need and it's a desperate situation. Most of these people don't deserve to be here. Extreme refugee status is not walking over with your new Nikes and your new sweatsuit and saying, I'd rather be in America than El Salvador. No kidding. El Paso's getting 2000 a day, up 255% from last year. Bill Malusian tweets this out yesterday. CBP source tells him, the last 24 hours, El Paso saw... Uh, 2,592 migrant encounters with less than 400 uh, 400 Title 42 expulsions. So that's a big story. Senator Fr- uh, Lankford told us yesterday, under Title 42, which everyone's supposed to leave, he's, they're only kicking out 7%. So when Karine Jean-Pierre says, we have this handled, we've done the work, it is totally not true. But what it is true is they're used to letting people in. That's the crazy thing. So Josh Holmes used to be chief of staff for Mitch McConnell, now with the Ruthless Podcast, said this, cut seven. Well, it's far beyond politics for Republicans at this point. They've been blowing the whistle on this since the first day of the Biden administration. I think at this point it's almost deliberate neglect on this issue on the border. The Biden administration has not only not done what Guy was talking about with continuing very successful policies under the Trump administration, They've actively ignored the entire issue altogether. In fact, you know, what was it, a couple of weeks back when Biden was was in Arizona and he said, well, there's a lot more important things for us to talk about. Like, this has been not just a problem in the future. Every day since this administration has been sworn in, it has been a crisis with fentanyl, with human trafficking, with the human condition of people at the border. And they've thus far pretended like it didn't exist. So right now in Arizona, it's almost as bad as it is in Texas. They've been putting scrambling to get these huge shipping containers, sealing them up and stacking them up and putting razor wire on top. They put razor wire on top because the wall's not finished, even though we paid for it. There's huge gaps in the wall with the administration finally agreed to fix, finish Trump's wall in those areas that just stopped when Trump lost the election. They realized even though they paid for it, they didn't want to do it. That's again working on your own behalf, not working on the behalf of the people. So Mark Daniels, uh, they said one of the reasons, now the administration just shows how unserious they are, they want those shipping containers removed. They said it's not good for law enforcement to be able to do their work. They say it's a technically an Indian reservation, although there's no Indian reservations claiming it. So Mark Daniels was on with Neil Cavuto yesterday. He's a sheriff at Cochise, uh, Arizona, where evidently that's the problem. Law enforcement can't do their job. That's what... The administration says, well, Mark Daniels, you're a sheriff. Cut to what side is our federal government on? I mean, there's only two sides. You have the public safety side that protects this country, protects Americans, or we have the side of the criminal cartels that don't want that border secured either. So it, it is it's alarming. Our governor has and I speak as a sheriff in Cochise County, has stood up, worked with sheriffs that want to work with them, worked with the citizens to protect this country, protect this border in Arizona, and to see our federal government, Department of Justice, to come in and go after our our governor is alarming. And let me just say this, and then you have people out there saying the governor needs to be arrested for protecting his state. I stand by Governor Ducey and all he's done for our state and this country. 
But we're about to get Katie. Uh, what's her name again? I forgot who beat uh, Ke- who beat uh, Carrie Lake. Uh, yeah, Katie Hobbs, who's who couldn't even didn't have the guts to even to debate her. Had no policy when it comes to the border. She's probably going to send in the cranes and move that border construction, which is in no one's interest. And where's Senator Kelly, who said, I'm going to be strong on the border, and the president's dropped the ball there and gets his full term in office. Where is he? Invisible. What a letdown he's been as a military guy who lands on the moon. It's stunning to me to see this. So continue to have it. It's, uh, it's affecting New York. They said they want a billion dollars in New York City, a billion dollars because we've got to house about 30,000 people from last month into hotels around the city. So in Denver... There's a migrant surge, 247 arrived since Monday, 600 plus arrived since December 2nd. So the city's beginning to feel what Chicago, with Kamala Harris's uh, residence feels, what New York feels. These buses are going to be starting to let out in Denver, too. All right, this is Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, you'll hear a little of my excerpt from my interview, my sit-down with Jeb Bush. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. So I had a chance to go down to Miami on Monday, and we did the show Monday night. We did the show Tuesday, but before I did all that, before Jeb Bush got to work, he sat down with us for for two reasons. For One Nation, which is going to air tonight, then unedited, we're going to put it on radio next week. Uh, One Nation is on Saturday. I said tomorrow. What did I say? You said tonight. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, yeah. One Nation and Saturday at 8. And then we're going to have unedited inter- the unedited interview on our show uh, here on radio. And then we're going to have an interview. We're going to have Who is Ron DeSantis, a special that's going to air in February. So Governor Jeb Bush is a big fan of the, go- the newest governor, but he was a two-term very successful governor of Florida. Had a chance to talk to him about his family and everything else. But here he is, uh, the former governor of Florida for the famous family, uh, on Ron DeSantis as well as Ron DeSantis's clash with Disney. Let's listen. Education's dear to you. Yeah. And when the president, uh, when, excuse me, when the governor was upset about some of the curriculum in schools, he put out a parental rights bill, which was uh, ap- uh, wrongly labeled the don't say gay bill, which the, the yeah. word gay is not even in this bill. Could you talk about the turbulence that you witnessed, the approach to the bill, and and the resolve? Well, it's pretty much, it's a, it's a good... Um, example of this new political environment where people don't even read the bill. Someone coins it as a don't say gay bill that stifles uh, speech, you know, of all ages. And when in fact, this, the bill simply said that uh, up till fourth grade, parents are in charge of the, you know, sexual orientation and, and all this, 
you know, all this discussion about sex. I mean, that's an 85 to 90 percent uh, issue, uh, and Governor DeSantis defended it effectively, and um, he should have. I mean, this, this is, look, at the end of the day, this is a, you know, there are places in the state of Florida where people were talking about inappropriate things to young kids. It's not common. It's not all over the place, but it's there. And I think it's appropriate for the legislature to, to pass a law like that. The overreaction just made his views, I think, even more powerful. And how he responded to that, again, he's got this pretty good knack of figuring out who to, who to go after once they've uh, taken these crazy positions. And Disney was one of the people that took those positions and condemned the bill yeah. from pressure they say from their employees. Can you talk about the battle as that unfolded? And what were you thinking? Because you know the importance of Disney Disney's to huge. Florida and to Orlando. Look, 80,000 employees. Um, we don't have an income tax because people go to Disney. Our sales tax revenues are paid for by 20% of the sales tax revenue, more or less, are paid for by visitors. So it's hugely important. So I think it's important to, to recognize how important Disney is to the state but also take a stand against these woke employees that temporarily were kind of running the asylum there. Um, I would love for Disney to come to Florida uh, where, you know, we're their headquarters. Yeah. Why not? I mean, this is a live and let live state. We don't impose wokeness and we don't, and we allow for freedom of speech and allowing people to have their own views. Look, I mean, if a liberal says something in Florida, they're not pushed out. They're not canceled. They're not in any of that stuff. This is a place where, um, where woke goes to die, as, as Governor DeSantis says. But it's also a place where people of real diversity can come and pursue their dreams. Disney would be fantastic if they moved their headquarters here. But instead, they lost their autonomous status within the next yeah. two years, and they lost their CEO. Back comes Bob Iger. So, the, so you have this governor taking on 60 Minutes, a, uh, a politician slayer sometimes, and in excels then he takes on disney and he as of right now how did that play out would you have done the same thing i don't know i don't think so i don't think i would have punished disney for the foolish uh, nature of of a few 20 something employees that um for whatever reason the ceo felt felt uh you know caved to right. um i'd give them a break and now that this is over and people you know can look at this freshly hopefully uh, the legislature and you have a new CEO. Bob Iger understands the role of Florida plays in, in Disney. He understands how important Florida is. Uh, and he's, you know, he's very savvy. My guess is that they'll figure out a way to resolve this. So that is a little of Jeb Bush weighing in. The fan of Ron DeSantis wouldn't have done the same way. What about Martha's Vineyard? Uh, when, the, when the governor went and grabbed some of the illegal immigrants before they got to Florida and flew them on there with their permission to Martha's Vineyard, causing a huge uproar. Let's listen. So one of the things that uh, Ron DeSantis did is seeing the legal immigration issue. There were planes landing in Jacksonville unannounced with illegal immigrants, dropped off without telling the governors. He decided, and might do again, to take a, a plane load of immigrants on signed a piece of paper, and they went to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, it didn't go over big to the people of Martha's Vineyard, but it certainly sent a message and had people talking about it. Yeah. Uh, is that one of the things that, as governor, you think was a good move? Uh, they used state money for it. I wouldn't have done it. I'm a conservative. I don't think we should be spending money on stuff like that. Um, here's the deal. What we, what we should be doing is fixing our immigration policy. We shouldn't be allowing millions of people to be coming across our border and then migrating on their own to Martha's Vineyard and other places, which is what they're doing. 
uh, and they're 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 basically pushing back people who have been patiently waiting to come legally to our country to the back of the line. That is just wrong. And you know, 90% of the American people believe that's wrong. But you see the governor of Texas also getting frustrated. He's overwhelmed. Yeah. The governor no, I know. They, they have every right to be, I mean, particularly Texas and Arizona, completely agree with that. So if the federal government but doesn't solve do it, it, what do you do? solve it rather than use it as a political tool. But if you can't get the president to pick up the phone and even go and visit you or that's, entertain you. That's the problem. That's the, that's the problem with D.C. right now is 90% of the American people don't think we should have open borders. And yet, for how long has it been since uh, we can't find common ground to solve this problem? I guarantee you if Doug Ducey or Greg Abbott got in a room with, with the president and said, here's, here's a comprehensive way, a bipartisan way to solve this problem, and brought the, you know, the Democrat members of the, of the Congress from those delegations around the table, they would, they would solve this problem. But everybody uses it for a wedge, wedge issue. And it's really frustrating. So you understood why you did it, yeah. but you wouldn't have done it? No. No, I mean, I, I, I was shocked that the state legislature funded $20 million of state money for it. Okay. I was like, wow. <laughs> but it did get people talking about it. It sure did. It sure did. <laughs> and, and it propelled him even further up the, you know, into the, in the minds of a lot of voters very frustrated with this issue. We'll see if he does it again. Uh, and by the way, he's very complimentary of the, the governor. He does basically endorse the governor to run for president at 44 years old. And also goes on to talk about, and you'll hear this next week, everyone's too old. You know, why is Chuck Schumer 74 and Nancy Pelosi finally stepping aside but staying in Congress? Clyburn 77. You know, the president of the United States, 80. Uh, president Trump, uh, 76. So, People are getting up there in age, and in the president's case, obviously he's not aging well, and he's going to go for another four years. And he said pretty much doing a terrible job. But he said, I like the chips bill, you know, getting our technology and the manufacturing, uh, bringing it back here as a national security thing that that was originally, believe it or not, a Republican idea that was signed on, and they wanted to be able to do things a little differently. So a lot of people didn't sign on it, but it was pretty, there was some bipartisan support of that. But he's somebody who truly believes if you get people in the same room, they're going to solve problems. But he is pretty amazed, he said, on the division right now in our country. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about what's going on with our economy. We're watching market crash yesterday, the day before it soared, and here's what's going on, though, with it. You have a situation where people are bailing out of Bitcoin. Keep an eye on, we know about uh, KFTK, right? Um, but, uh, but FTX, I should say, KFTK is the name of our great, uh, St. Louis affiliate FTX, but you do not know if how much more, how many more of these, uh, these Bitcoin companies are going to implode and how many more people are going to be on the line, how many more funds are going to pay uh, the ultimate price. I'll talk to Steve more about that and then take your calls. Keep in mind too, if you're in the area, I'll be in Point Pleasant in New Jersey tonight, five o'clock, uh, signing books. Uh, with Dana Prino, so it's going to be great. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. And if you want the podcast, go to BrianKilmeadeShow dot com, and wherever you get uh, podcasts, you can just order it. FoxNewsPodcast dot com is another place. Go to Spotify and get it. So many of you are choosing to do that. We appreciate it. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. With me in studio, Steve Moore, senior fellow with the Heritage Foundation and economist with Freedom Works, worked with uh, President Trump, helped craft uh, the tax reform deal that we're living with now that Joe Biden's desperately to blow up because, you know, horrible corporations that employ people. That's the problem. Uh, Steve, welcome back. Hey, Brian, good to be with you. So why did the market do so poorly yesterday? Well, you know, you had the big decision for the Fed to raise interest rates again. And then also you had a lousy report on uh, retail sales for November. But that's the that's the beginning of the Christmas season. That's a crucial month for retailers. The, the numbers were way down unexpectedly. Economy is in an incredibly precarious position right now. You know, the president is doing everything wrong on the economy. He's blowing up the budget, massive amounts of debt, not using our energy resources. Uh, we've got a border out of control. And I think the combination of all of these things are creating a very, very dangerous situation for 2023. Look at what's happened to credit card debt. You know, because inflation is growing, at, don't you love, by the way, that Biden's taking a victory lap, that inflation rate is 7.1%. Yeah, so <laughs> is that ridiculous? What planet is he on? Yeah, this is the highest inflation rate we've had still. I mean, it's come down a little bit. Okay, I'll give him credit for that. It's coming down a little bit, but it's still the highest rate in 30 years, and, and inflation still outpaced uh, wages. So you got Americans who have to ring up more and more debt on their credit cards so they can pay their bills. Right. So you say credit card debt is definitely being affected, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And by the way, the worst po- – my little piece of it, financial advice to your listeners, don't – if you're going to go into debt, you know, have you seen what the interest rates are on credit card debt? No, I, mean, I haven't 20, noticed. 20, 25%. I mean, nuts. you're paying through it's extortion. the uh, So you have that going on. But right now, uh, what John Castamatiz was saying the other day is, why are you destroying the housing market? Why do you keep raising rates? You're destroying the, It's unnecessary to do that. The most important thing for uh, getting the inflation rate down, uh, I mean, we've talked about this in fact so many times, you've got to get government spending and debt down. We've had the biggest blowout, $5 trillion of spending in the last three, above the normal amount that Washington normally spends. Look, this is helicopter money. You're just dumping all this free money into the economy. Of course, that's going to cause inflation. Until Congress starts to bring this spending down, I think we've got inflation here. And Brian, what's going on in Capitol Hill right now as we speak is a disgrace. With the omnibus bill. It's unbelievable. I call it omnibusted because it's going to bust the country. And it makes no sense. I'm as mad, by the way. You know, I come in here sometimes and, and you know, yell at Pelosi and, and Schumer. And, and, yeah, they've been, you know, it's hard to defend them. But this one you got to blame on the Republicans. They will take the control of the House of Representatives in four weeks. Why would they make, Brian, why are they making deals with Pelosi three weeks before she's no longer going to be Speaker? It's a big budget blowout. Republicans want to play Santa Claus just as much as Democrats, so it's a pox on both their houses. Right. So what you're saying is they could do a continuing resolution yes. and not, and fund the government and then just go visit this whole thing when uh, the majority... Exactly. Yeah. Except that you left out one thing. I had a piece in the Wall Street Journal earlier this week that showed that if Republicans will just defend, um, enforce the existing budget rules, which Democrats <laughs> Democrats established these rules, they could there would be an automatic cut of one hundred and thirty billion dollars. Now that that's a lot of money, one hundred thirty billion. But Biden spent five trillion. It's only less than one percent of the money that he spent, and the Republicans won't do it. Rand yeah. Paul said, by the way, he's only got five Republicans in the Senate who want to cut the budget. Right. Uh, he, he was on with Larry Kudlow the other day, yeah. and, he, and he was saying that he's just uh, offended by it. Yeah. So the whole thing with Kevin McCarthy, to his credit, has been on for the last two weeks since I would not sign an insomnibus yeah. bill. And I hope but he's he not the guy to- in charge. 
Well, the problem is, frankly, it's the Senate Republicans, Brian. And, you know, I've, I've been friends with Mitch McConnell for a long time, but he wants to cut a deal. Here's the other part of this. Your, li- your listeners are not going to believe this. One of the reasons Senate Republicans want this big blowout $1.7 trillion spending bill is because, you know, Richard Shelby, he is a Republican senator from Alabama. He's retiring. He's been on the Appropriations Committee for as long as you and I have practically been alive. This is their going away present for Richard Shelby. Letting him do it. (laughs) Because it gives him $600 million for the state of Alabama. I mean, folks, this is the worst way to to manage our nation's finance. By the way, why can't they just build a bronze statue to the guy? Why do they have to spend all this hundreds of billions? I mean, the thing that people uh, have to understand is we don't have the money. Right. Uh, So we should be talking about a massive, uh, rational way to cut the budget in order to stop paying interest rate on things and explain to the American people why. Yeah. You got to do it now because it, as soon as we get to election season, if everything exactly. becomes too risky. Now's yeah. the time. And this is the reason I wanted to come on your show today. I wanted to alert all your listeners. Look, tell your senator, tell your congressman, no omnibus spending mail. Get control of the budget. The reason Republicans won the Republican House of Representatives in November, and that wasn't as good an election as many had hoped, is because – Voters thought they would get control of the budget. And by the way, they also you saw what happened earlier this week. The first thing they did when it was announced Republicans had the majority, they brought back earmarks. Do you remember the uh, do you remember? Well, Brian? They didn't take them away. They were. Do you remember the bridge to nowhere in Alaska? Sure. Remember that one? They want to bring all those stupid projects. John McCain worked so hard. To Crazy. Get right. So do you think both sides want to do their sweetheart deals for their local community? So yes. therefore, they're both going to sign up on it. And they have two retiring senators leading the charge. Because isn't Senator, the Senator from Vermont, Senator Levin, leading the he's other He's retiring. Yeah. And, yeah. So, so he's retiring. So let them. It's goes, a club. Get mad at them. See, this is the thing about the Senate. It's a club. It's a club. It, and it's it's an insider's club. And they all look out for each other, but they don't look for the uh, taxpayers. Tom Coburn. Do you remember Tom sure. Coburn, the Oklahoma senator? One of my favorites of all time. He died a few years ago of cancer. He used to say when he was in the Senate, he said, earmarks are the gateway drug to multi-trillion dollar spending bills. And he was exactly right about that. All right, so we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, I don't. I know you don't get into the infighting in Capitol Hill, but I think it's embarrassing for the Republicans it not is. to rally around Kevin McCarthy. It is, a, it is a policy disaster, but it's also a political disaster. I'm telling you, Brian, I have tens and tens of thousands of members of our group, and they are so angry at Republicans for betraying us and signing off to these Pelosi-Schumer spending bills. Right, and why is Schumer and Clyburn still sticking around? Those Clyburn states, they're they're actually going to be sticking around as a shadow speaker or (laughs) shadow minority leader. It doesn't make any sense. Same with Sandy Hoyer. You think they'd want to go home. Uh, Yesterday, Jill Biden basically made it clear, I'm all in for President Biden to run another four years. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Bring it on. You know, uh, I mean, did you see even a majority of Democratic voters don't want Joe Biden to run for president? But but who do they want? Uh, look, Joe Biden has been, I think, the most financially responsible president uh, in American history. I think. What's he going to run on? What's he, what's he going to say? Well, he we feels high inflation, a board out of control, crime out of control, the debt out of control. I mean, what has he done right? Well, a couple of things. He's going to say, look at with the midterms. I did the better in the midterms than even well, that, uh, Barack Obama. Uh, yep. So I got a bigger. Yeah, no, look, he got a lift. Speak. No question. All right. But uh, I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking about policy. Uh, If you look at his – and by the way, the strongest case for Donald Trump, and I know everybody has different candidates, Trump can say, look at what I did for the economy in four years and what Biden has done. And it's night and day. We had the best economy ever under Trump, 
one of the worst economies now ever under Biden. True. Uh, and what's about to get worse, what, what blows me away, if you don't like wasting money, what about the money at the border? How much money are we putting at the border to all these people, yeah. giving it to NGOs? Now, the $6 million to El Paso, the New York City wants $1 billion for 30,000 illegal immigrants who have come here. Uh, we're putting shipping containers on the border because we won't finish a wall that we paid for. So I was just on Maria Bartiromo's Fox Business show That's and came up here after I was done with that. And we talked about this, and I made the point that, you know, you want we, – yes, we absolutely need more Border Patrol agents. Why don't we take, Brian, the 87 000, money away from the 87,000 IRS agents that uh, $80 billion he wants to spend on the IRS, and let's use some of that money to put more people at the border. We, we don't have enough Border Patrol agents to maintain this tide. And you think the tide's bad now? Wait till they get rid of the – if they were able to get rid of the stay in Mexico policy, you're going to see five times as many illegal immigrants. Yeah, uh, they, they want to take air marshals and put air marshals at the border. Yeah. Really? Is that why you got into being an air marshal? Because you want to stand in the middle of the desert uh, housing people? Uh, listen, Steve Moore is going to stick around. We're going to talk to him a little bit more about what's going on. Also about President Trump. Yesterday he rolled out NFTs. Three weeks ago he rolled out his presidency. Would Steve Moore go back and work with him? Should he win? Should he still be running? You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Well, when I was in Ciudad Juarez for the past two days, I've met people from Ecuador, uh, people from Colombia. I even met a man and his, uh, his wife and his child, and they were from China. Uh, they, they, were, they were Chinese, and they, uh, they definitely stood out to me. Um, and even just, even just now, as we were getting ready to, for, for this shot, um, just right over to my right here, uh, uh, four Nicaraguans hopped over the uh, older border fence, uh, and there's a El Paso police officer, and he's uh, called Border Patrol. But that just shows how busy this area has been for the past couple of weeks. And really, it's just uh, it's a wait and see. A lot of Venezuelans right now, they, they are mainly staying in Mexico because Title 42 does largely apply to them. And from those that I've spoken to uh, the past couple of days, they're, they're, they're ready for next week to, to come over. So that is the report from the Daily Caller at the border. What's happening on the 21st is stunningly irresponsible. And for the president, you know where we find him, Steve Moore? We find him in Delaware again. I mean, why he wouldn't go down and eye this? Now we don't have to play politics. We need just to to be responsible. This wall was paid for by the president. Now they're getting shipping containers, sticking in Arizona, and the administration is suing Arizona to say it's on federal land, pull it out. So this is just costing us money. Now think about all the money for the NGOs. Think about what these people need in terms of accommodation. New York wants a billion. The uh, El Paso is going to get six billion. This is all our money that we don't have. You know the budget is completely out of control. I've never seen anything like it. When I first came to Washington, we talked about the budget and the billions of dollars. Now we're talking about in the trillions of dollars. It's really. Quite outrageous. I mentioned earlier that you know we could easily hire uh, you know a doubling instead of doubling the IRS agents. Why don't we double the number of people at the border? And by the way, you could do that at a fraction of the cost. They're more interested in harassing American citizens than they are these drug runners who are coming into our country. So when you saw some of the numbers that were coming out, the administration was rejoicing over with the the inflation decreasing and oil and gas coming down. 
Why is the why did the oil come down? Well, first of all, the the thing that do you know what component of the of uh, the co- consumer prices are rising the fastest right now? Food, groceries, yeah, groceries. Eggs are up double from what they were last year. You know, I, I went to the grocery store with my wife, you know, the other day, and we were just astounded how much uh, food costs. So, energy prices have come down in part because the economy has been so weak all over the world. People are lose using less energy. That's a short term phenomenon. I think we're going to see continue high prices. By the way, what's happening in Europe right now? I mean, they're running out of energy. The one other thing that's rising really rapidly in price right now is home heating costs. And if we get this cold winter that the climatologists are thinking we are going to, you're going to have brownouts and blackouts in a lot of cities and states. They're seeing that in Europe already. We have a completely dysfunctional uh, energy policy. Brian, you, I've said this to you many times. We get three-quarters of our energy today from the old-fashioned oil, gas, and coal. Those fossil fuels are what power our country. The idea that we're going to go to zero on fossil fuels is an incredibly delusional and dangerous idea. The um, president of the United States thinks everything's going great, and he thinks what he's doing, bringing the price of oil down, what other people, smart people like you have told me, is they look at China. Yeah. When the reason why consumption in China has gone down, production is down, gas demand isn't as high. When they get going on all cylinders again to stop the zero COVID policy, right. prices are going to go up again. And speaking of China, you know that they are by far the biggest uh, the biggest polluter in the world. I mean, they, their their pollution levels are three times higher than ours are, and and they they have. Did you know, Brian? Right now, as we speak, China is building twenty massive new coal plants, the biggest coal plants ever in the history of the world. Do you think President Xi cares about climate change? No, <laughs> he but he care. has the rare earth, and he's got the solar panels, right. and he's got the game rig. <laughs> and what he doesn't have, he is locked up in the Congo and other places. And we have all these regulations that are stopping yeah. us from mining in our own it's, environmental worries, stopping us from mining for lithium and everything else that we need for these batteries. Yeah, we have. We are sitting on. Can't five, have it every way we want. You, yeah, we are sitting on five trillion dollars of of precious minerals, coal, silver, all of this stuff, and Biden has not allowed the mining of these resources. Uh, you know, Wyoming itself has more coal than the entire country of China. I mean, why are we not using our – what a great way to pay down our national debt, by the way. You nine for this stuff. You charge the companies leases so they pay money into the federal government. It's a win-win for everyone. I don't understand the logic of it. I want you to hear what Jamie Dimon said on Sunday. I just find him endlessly interesting because he goes politics as well as, yeah. uh, as, well as his financial expertise running J.P. Morgan. Listen to what he said about energy. Carbon emissions are going up because nations rich and poor around the world are turning on back on their coal plants. Mm-hmm. They cannot afford expensive energy, and they can't afford no energy. So, you know, to me, to solve climate, we kind of need all the above, permitting, plants. Gas is the best and cleanest way to reduce coal, which is mm-hmm. the best way to reduce CO2. So, you know, really thoughtful policy, comprehensive policy will get us there. But it also is military policy, economic policy, including trade. So when I say economic, I'm talking about, you know, trade is one thing, but economic is investment rights. Uh, so, so anything that relates to national security will have to be re-changed. So what are your thoughts on that? 100% agree. I mean, come on. We, we This country was built on oil, gas, and coal. The Industrial Revolution, which created all of the incredible uh, progress we see economically, and even the even the uh, digital revolution, the technological 
uh, technology revolution. That depends on cheap and affordable and reliable energy. We're we're playing a game of Russian roulette here. I mean, look what's happening in, in countries like Germany, Switzerland, France, Italy, Spain right now. Germany announced to its citizens um, about a month ago, stock up on candles and stock up on firewood. Wow. Because, I'm not making Didn't that. I know well, that. Yeah, what are we, are we back in the dark ages? Unbelievable. I want you to hear, <laughs> I want you to hear Kevin O'Leary and Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, they clashed on crypto, and I want to get your take after this. And of course, with we saw with the uh, with the scandal. Let's listen. If banks and uh, Western unions said they shouldn't have to follow any money laundering rules, so that they could make more money, they could improve their profitability. Um, what would our country say, and what does every country around the world in the financial system say? I take issue, Senator, with your concept that it makes it easier to do money laundering. Currencies have been used for drug trafficking since the 60s in the American dollar when it was thrown out of a pipe or aircraft in a duffel bag. The American dollar is also used by bad actors all the time. I'm just saying if you know your client rules on both sides of the transaction and use a, a crypto such as USDC that is regulated, you solve this problem, Senator, overnight. So uh, Kevin O'Leary going to bat for crypto, obviously not for... Uh, the company that just went belly up. Where do you stand, Steve Moore? On I'm crypto? very pro cryptocurrencies. Now, look, I think there's some people have to be careful about cryptos, but I love the idea of having private alternative sources of money. I don't want the Federal Reserve Board and the central bankers all over the world having a monopoly on money. And so, I think it's a healthy thing that we have uh, Bitcoin and other uh, alternatives. Now, that being said, look. FTX wasn't a wasn't a cryptocurrency. It was just it was just a Ponzi scheme. That's all it was. It was just you know you got, Sam Bankman Fried. What he would do is he would go to these uh, you know big funds and say, oh, I believe in ESG. I believe in racial justice. I believe in all these liberal causes. And these people would write five and ten million dollar checks without doing their due diligence. It's unbelievable. What a scam! It's not like he had a great presentation. Yeah, he 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 scammed these people. He pushed all the right buttons, and, the, and these people were putting their political beliefs ahead of what was good for their. For their investors. See more. Yeah. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. I uh, look forward to getting your calls. Also, keep in mind, One Nation. Uh, we have a show, big show Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, Jeb Bush, we sat down with him over in Florida, Miami, uh, and had a chance to talk to the very successful two-term governor. It, it was obviously not successful to get the nomination in 2016. You'd be surprised what he has to say about who should get it. Bottom of the hour, Admiral James Travitas. Geraldo's queued up, ready to go. And in a time of crisis at our border, where's the president of the United States? Oh, he's in Delaware. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I hope that he does seek re-election. He's been a great and look president. Look at what he's accomplished. You a think lot he of people, should run again? Yeah, he's done an excellent, excellent job. And he runs, I'm going to support him all the way. There you go. Nancy and Chuck are in for 
Joe, and so is Jill. Jill is all in. That means Joe is all in. So what does that mean for everybody else in the field? What does it mean for Donald Trump? Number two. Everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're a citizen. Uh, No special treatment. You dox, you dox, you get suspended. Elon Musk confronted after he suspends a Washington Post reporter, CNN and New York Times. The question is, is this the best practice for any balanced social media platform? Number one. The end of Title 42 we all knew was coming, and I have asked over and over again the administration, what is your plan when this ends? And they kept saying, we're going to have this great plan. Well, they released out to us their plan. Their plan is the same six-point plan they've had the entire year. Uh, There you go. Uh, That is ridiculous, and that is Senator Lankford. No plan when Title 42 goes away December 21st. Our border is being overwhelmed right now, and it's only going to get worse. There's thousands sitting in Mexico waiting for December 21st, and this president sits in Delaware. With me right now, Geraldo Rivera is sitting in another undisclosed location. It's probably really nice. (laughs) Geraldo, hi. Hi, Brian. How you doing? I'm en route to Chicago. Right. I mean, you for the longest time, this has been your number one issue with immigration. I know you used to spar with Lou Dobbs for a while on this, but it is so out of control. Those are like the good old days compared to now. So what uh, I, I am could not be more stunned that the president, not in the election season anymore, has no answer except for let them all in. Can I preface this by suggesting that I believe Bill Mnuchin – and the Fox News team really deserves the equivalent of a Pulitzer Prize for the work they have yeah. done on the border. Uh, finally, making that uh, the critical situation uh, public to all people, you know, forcing The New York Times and others to cover a story that they refuse to cover. Uh, I also think that technologically speaking, the, uh, the use by Fox News of drone photography has also given people a true appreciation of the scope of the problem. It's one thing to say, as a group of a 1,000 migrants crossing the Rio Grande today, uh, you know, it is another thing entirely to actually see them crossing. I know. The men, the women, and the, and the children. I think uh, I, this is my main point about immigration, Brian, and you know that I feel it very uh, passionately. I think when, uh, when Kevin McCarthy says he's going to take a group of uh, – his, his Republican team down to the border, that's BS. It's posturing. Why can't these people get together? It should be Kevin McCarthy, Chuck Schumer, and the president of the United States all together recognizing that this is a crisis, a humanitarian Brother, crisis. I got to interrupt you. To- I got to interrupt you. You need two people. That's uh, that. Believe me, I'm sure that suggested to him. Do you know that Kevin McCarthy brought it up in the White House to the president? He said, "Mr. President, it's really important for you to go down there. We have to address this." And he said, "Well, what would I see? What would he, that was his answer. What would I see?" And that is an inadequate answer to say the least. Right, and, and it just it just don't care. He goes, "Well," and then the press secretary said it would be a photo op. If you choose it to be a photo op, it could be, or you could sit there and say, "I need to go. To, I'm going to go in this uh, meet with Border Patrol, and then I want to see the worst section. I want to see the worst section. I want you to bring me there right away. I want you to show me the best section. Bring me there right away." That's what people do when they want to solve problems, and you want to solve the problem. And what I think is also healthy is nobody thinks this is any uh, anything anti-Hispanic. No one thinks that these uh, these immigrants are bad people, even though some of them are, just like there's bad people everywhere. 
I think that the only good news about this, we're no longer vilifying a group of people. We're just trying to get control of an immigration system that has been taxed in a way it's never been done in our history, and it seems intentional. You know, one thing, let me first address the uh, the, the thing about prejudice and, yeah. uh, and the ethnicity of uh, uh, of the migrants, the vast majority of whom are, are Latino. Uh, when you look at any reliable survey on how these people fare once they get into the country, they commit fewer crimes, they are amazingly enterprising, they fill all of the lousy jobs that uh, many native-born people don't want, like in the meat packing and the poultry processing and in agriculture and dishwashing and babysitting and lawn mowing. Uh, they are great additions to the American family. It is the disorder, the chaos. It is the fact that even among a group of stellar, uh, you know, uh, hardworking, seeking American dreamers, uh, there are bad people. You need to know who's coming in. You have to regulate it. You've got to organize it. And people have to get together. And the wall is, a, is not a bad thing. It's not, it's not a pejorative. You've got to steer people away from uh, these de- deadly killing fields in the desert where so many of them end up uh, desiccated corpses. Uh, you know, we have to bring order to the border. And Mexico must be held accountable. These people trek 1,500 miles through Mexico. Mexico knows who's, who's there, when are they coming, they're facilitating the movement without regard to uh, what the United States wants. Uh, you know, we really need a balls-to-the-wall, excuse the expression, uh, approach to what is a critical situation. Yeah, and they're not trying. That's what bothers me. They're not coming out of negotiations and with differences. They're not trying. You can't get them to engage. And you know what I'm disappointed in? And I say it all the time. Senator Mark Kelly, the astronaut, the military guy, who's on a border state. And they know it's, it's a huge issue for Democrats and Republicans, and it's a mostly independents. He ran saying, yeah, the president's done a bad job on the border. Where is he now? Where is he now? Now that well, he won the election. Maybe he's listening to you now. Maybe, maybe he will hear you. You can't ignore it anymore. No one can ignore it. That's what the, I started this conversation uh, talking about how Fox News has finally brought people's yeah. attention to it. Now let's let – give me some good ideas. All right. Kevin McCarthy, give me what are your best ideas? Six of them. I you mean, know, you, yeah, let, let's get the. They know the. They know the. It. They know the Remain in Mexico policy worked for Venezuelans. They know it worked for Trump. Uh, they know it. They know pressuring all these governments and holding the aid over their head to control their borders uh, would work. They know making uh, Mexico put twenty thousand Marines on their southern border would work. There's a whole bunch of things that, that Trump tried. It didn't work and did work. So no one ever doubted Trump was trying. That's the one thing you know, that's scary about this. I do want to get you on this whole cryptocurrency thing. First okay, off, sure. yeah, I, I just want to get you on this. This FTX, I want you to hear Kevin O'Leary describe what it was like when he got Sam uh, Bankman-Fried on the phone to say, because he got $15 million and got $10 million in tokens from him. So this is Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. When he finally got Sam on the phone, this is what he said their exchange was like. After my accounts were stripped of all of their assets and all of the accounting and trade information, I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm, so I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? He said he had been refused access to the servers. He no longer knew. 
I said, okay, let's step back. This is a simple case in my mind of where did the money go? And I said, Sam, walk me back 24 months. Tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? And it turns out he went to another Bitcoin company, and this is what it sounded like. This is the one right after that that he finished the sentence with. And then he told me about a transaction that occurred over the last 24 months, the repurchase of his shares from Binance, his competitor. I didn't know this at the time, but at some point, CZ or Binance, who runs Binance, purchased 20% ownership in Sam Bankman-Fried's firm for seed stock. And then, over time, and I asked him, what would compel you to spend $2 billion was the number he was giving me at that time. Later, in a subsequent conversation, about 24 hours later, he told me it could have been as much as $3 billion to buy back the shares from CZ. I asked him, what would compel you to do that? And he had no good answer. I just wanted to bring that to you. You invest. You, most of your friends are these very rich, successful people, a lot of them. Tell, bring me, what's your take on this? That, that's true about uh, many uh, of my friends have been very fortunate. You know, uh, I'm almost eight years old, so after 50-odd years on, on television, a good thing I have something to invest. Uh, I said a couple of things. Number one, don't believe any of these experts, Shark Tank or any uh, place else, uh, who are telling you what, what a deal is or who are too cool for school and, uh, you know, want to get rich quick and uh, get a huge return on capital. Uh, the, the rules of business have never changed. If, if you, when you make an investment, the investment has to be, unless you're a speculator or a gambler or, or a, 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 a scammer, like it, it, you have to have well-run companies that produce products that people want to buy and the stock of the company reflects the management of the company, and that's how you have wealth accumulated in this country is by the, the uh, you know, the American dream. You know, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. If they get the most beautiful people on earth saying, do this or you're not cool, uh, then don't be cool, and you'll have your money and they won't. Uh, most of my generation stayed away from Bitcoin and uh, crypto. Uh, I, I think that people your age – were more uh, maybe uh, uh, enticed because you're hipper in terms of your technological skills. And I think it was the generation after you, my son, you know, the, uh, the 30-year-olds uh, and the early 40-year-olds who said, this is the new reality. Uh, you're not, you, if you don't jump on this now, you're going you know, you know, to get lost behind, uh, left behind. It's, uh, uh, you know, it, it, if it looks too good to be true, it's not true. This is a pure Ponzi scheme. He was taking investor money to cover his expenses and, uh, his, you know, uh, his losses. Uh, he's, uh, he's Bernie Madoff, maybe not as uh, grand a scale, but he's, uh, he's, he deserves heavy time in jail. But I suspect that, uh, you know, what did the Shark Tank guy say, $3 billion? That's going to be a hell of a lot more than that. This is going to be tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, almost made off like, uh, and the money's all pissed away, Brian. Yeah, uh, I think it's worse because they say a million people have lost a billion dollars, over a billion dollars. 
Unbelievable. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Geraldo, have a great weekend. That's your last mission. Okay. Thank you, Brian. All right. Great always great. Always. Geraldo Rivera, always engaging. one 408 7669 Of course, you can watch him on the 5. Uh, we'll take your calls when we get back. In the bottom of the hour, Admiral James Travitas. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I know it exists. I'm yeah. just like, I don't have that, like, Facebook, Twitter. You don't have any it, of those things? No, like Instagram. Too. I just you. I just went on TikTok recently. Oh, no. I don't know. That's the like, worst. Oh, my God. No, it's amazing. That's I, Chinese spyware. I know it is. but like, I mean, it really is. I know it really like, is. Like, really should be illegal. There, there are, I mean, everyone's already so up in my I did. I spent two years investigating preparing a piece on Trump and Russia where I like went to the Ukraine like my 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 that's dude that that horse left the barn a while ago what was the that Chinese like? can have what they want they <laughs> there's nothing in there anyway so Mar- uh, Mark Bow on with Joe Rogan just talking about TikTok which now there's a big push in this country from states to the federal government to get rid of TikTok uh, because, like, as he mentioned, it's basically spyware, as Joe Rogan, uh, again, bluntly put it. And we have Mark Bowl, and I think what he's indicating there is, I, I'm an open book. I've been to Russia so many times. They've gone through my stuff. They've probably been listening to my calls, but I did an investigation. He's been on uh, Fox and Friends before Mark Bowl, so... Uh, another reason to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, but the reason why it's so apt now is because uh, they're basically getting bipartisan support, and now Nancy Pelosi is going to pick it up in the House. It passed the Senate overwhelmingly with over the 80, 80 votes, and now Nancy Pelosi is going to pick it up in the House to get the TikTok, get the TikTok, get TikTok uh, off everybody's government phone. Doesn't mean you don't have it at home, or your kids don't have it, but it's a start. And now you have about 11 different states doing the same thing in New York. They uh, they were talking to, talking about bringing that up in their state legislature. I don't really think this is a Republican or Democrat thing, but I did not know that people like Trent Lott and others are paying a ton of money to lobby for TikTok. Senator Warner came out and said, "I don't think it's good for government phones, but it doesn't mean it's all around bad." Okay, fine. Now you're a cyber expert, or did somebody get to you to make sure you don't ban TikTok? Remember, the president of the United States, former president, 2018, said everything I'm hearing, listen to Marco Rubio, other experts, we should not have TikTok. It seems to be spyware. So there is a big push to go do that. I could think anytime there's bipartisan sport, it's kind of cool. Now, Josh Holmes weighed in on the legislation. Cut 19. It's long overdue. And, you know, I mean, it's a heck of a thing when you can describe not wanting to do something in national security interest because, you know, the, the kids that support me like it. I mean, this has been a problem that has been well aware uh, within the federal government for quite some time. You remember years ago when Amazon and their cloud services, which do a lot of uh, Intel work, banned it from their own personal devices in the, within that company. We've been talking about this for several years, and it's been wide open. Everybody knows exactly what TikTok and its relationship to China and what they were attempting to accomplish in terms of data mining and getting in sort of uh, with the American younger populace. So now that we're all taking, I mean, look, this is progress, no question about it. I'll believe it when I see it, when it actually gets over the finish line. So that's Josh Holmes, former chief of staff for Mitch McConnell. So they foxed it a poll. So what's your opinion of TikTok? 40% are favorable, 50% is unfavorable. Why? 
Because even though it's a popular app, people worried about China getting a leg up on us, spying on the stuff that we want. It was brought up to me, too. So if let's say you're 11 years old and you say, well, I don't care if China spies on me. I'm, uh, I'm texting people. I have uh, soccer practice and ba- basketball practice and uh, tryouts from athletes, whatever it is. But what happens is they get your information and they have it the rest of your life. Who knows? I mean, do you open up your app with uh, any of the uh, any of the identification on your eyes with the way you, you open up? Your uh, your phone or your iPad, they'll have the rest of your life. Let's say at 25, you go, I'm going to join the CIA. They got all your stat stuff and your stats. They know exactly who you are. They have facial recognition. Who knows where the technology will be? So you might not think to yourself, hey, right now you could spy on my life. You could find out that I, my American Express, I owe $4,000 that I don't have, and I'm trying to buy a Christmas tree. But other stuff you don't want. And you don't want them to get a composite idea of what Americans want and trends so they play into it. It's just, it's, we don't do it to them. Why are we letting them do it to us? So I'm going to talk to Admiral James Stravitas about what's happening over in the Ukraine. Uh, and this, listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Obviously, Russia has changed its strategy. I mean, they're consolidating their forces in the south and in the east, and they've been losing the ground war in the south and the east. Let's face it. The second thing is they're focusing the war on the Ukrainian people, shutting down the entire energy sector and burdening this country rather severely economically. That is their major objective that they're taking place right now. And this air defense system is designed to add protection to those Ukrainian cities, certainly. So that was uh, General Jack Keane uh, this morning talking about what's happening. Russia's just raining down rockets, uh, and, they, and there is some concern that they're starting to well up troops in Belarus. Not many people think Belarusian forces are going in, but you have to worry about Kiev. And the question is, for great minds like Admiral James Stravitas, who's a, who I'm about to bring in, is uh, at what point do you say, I can't afford to take the risk that this is a fake? Uh, that they're not really going to go for the capital. Admiral James Chavitas joins us now, uh, author of uh, Risk It All, Nine Conflicts and the Crucible of Decision. Uh, also the Sellers Bookshelf, 50 Books to Know the Sea, and 2034, A Novel of the Next World War. Admiral, uh, just to take that question, you, you hear about those troop, that troop buildup. How would you handle it? Uh, you know, I go back to my days as Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, when we advised the Ukrainians, and we would often point out to them the risk of Belarus, which is right on that northern border, and it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to get across it. Here's the good news, Brian. The Belarusian army is even worse than the Russian army. Um, On the other hand, you know, you can't bias entirely toward the ground war in the south and the east. So what I would do is Pull a couple of crack units back, ensure you've got uh, excellent shock troop coverage to the north of the city, the north of Kiev, and really be pressing the United States on intelligence, because we can give them a pretty good level of warning by watching what's flowing. So 
it's a worry, but a manageable one. I just want to add one thought also to General Jack's excellent overview. What really is evolving in front of us is kind of a tale of two wars. It's a ground war that the Ukrainians are winning, and it's an air war that the Russians are winning. So all the more reason we should be getting those patriots into country as rapidly as we can. So can you describe to how this would work at a country that big? How many batteries do you need um, uh, and, can, for example, if New York City wanted to be protected from Patriots, there's so many targets here. Could we protect New York City with Patriot, uh, a battery of Patriot missiles? A- absolutely. Not a single battery, given the geographic size of the city spread out over five boroughs and the surrounding areas. So you'd probably, if you wanted to protect New York City, you'd bring in two to three Patriot batteries you'd add an even higher altitude, longer range system called FAD, Theater High Altitude Air Defense System. And you'd probably bring a couple of Aegis cruisers, Navy cruisers, have an excellent Patriot level equivalent system, put them in the harbor. So you'd you'd put a lot of systems around that. But Brian, even one or two Patriot systems can protect the capital You'd probably want to put one around Kharkiv, the second largest city, and then possibly one out to the west around Lviv because it's an important logistics wellhead. Then you fill in around the rest of the country with less capable air defense systems. But putting all that together is something we know how to do. We can advise them. We can train their troops to handle these Patriot batteries. I think it's a manageable situation. Last thought. This should not be the last thing we do on air defense. We should also, and you and I have talked about this for six to eight months, we should be encouraging the transfer of aircraft, fighter aircraft. Poland has the MiG-29. It's a perfect fit for the Ukrainians. They're willing to give those to the Ukrainians. U.S. could backfill the poles with F-16s. If we added Patriots plus a tranche of fighter aircraft, I think the Ukrainians could be very effective up there against the Russians. Wow, what I love that. And what you always said, and I think we're being much more practical. We didn't know how this was going to go and uh, yeah. and what it was going to, the Russia going to use nuclear weapons. I think, talking to smart people like you and General Jack Keane, they, they would never use, they use nuclear weapons in NATO's all in uh, and they'll be destroyed. Oh. Number, number two is, I just think that if we're going to get them this stuff, can we just do it at once? Why do we have to watch a, a, all these cities turn to rubble before we act? Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. In a word, we have been too incremental here. And, you know, I get the thinking. We're trying to resolve this at the lowest level of conflict between the U.S. and Russia. But I think we've blown past every point where incrementalism is the way to go. So at this point, Short of your words, NATO going full into this and NATO just putting up a no-fly zone, we ought to be providing the Ukrainians everything they need. And I love this phrase. It's a Zelensky original to close the skies, close the skies of Ukraine. You know, the Russians are using lumbering old strategic bombers um, to, to deliver these weapons in many cases. Those are big, fat, juicy targets for a fighter or for a Patriot battery. So let's let's give them the tools they need. If we can 
bring them success in the air war alongside the success they have created in the ground war, I think Putin is really on his back heels. Well, right now he warned us if he sees those Patriot missiles going in, they're ripe targets. How do you feel about the warning (laughs) he's giving to us? I I am not laying awake at night about it, and neither is our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Neither is the current Supreme Allied Commander, General Chris Cavoli. Listen, from the very start of this thing, everything we did, Putin responded by saying, oh, that's going to be very provocative. Prime example, he said, if Sweden and Finland join NATO, that is a whole new dimension to this war. Well, guess what? They join. He doesn't have any other military cards to play. I believe he is bluffing on this. Yeah, will he try and attack the Patriots? Sure. But he's going to try and attack the HIMARS. He's going to try and attack every high-level weapon system we provide the Ukrainians. I'll close with this. Believe me, a Patriot battery can take care of itself if somebody is coming at it. They have very capable self-defense systems. So Benjamin Netanyahu is about to take uh, over, it looks like, if they can put together a government. And I think he, he's very confident he can. He's going to take over yeah. Israel, right? Now, he has a gay, you know, he's got to worry about his life and his, he's able to get rich targets in Syria and Russia allows it. And that's their that's their wink and a nod deal. It seems, you know, better than me, but I'm going to tell you what what's open source and been yes. reported. So they if they go ahead and they just see team with the Ukraine like we are, they could have their own neighborhood. Their, their own neighborhood could feel the effects of that. I got I get it. But clearly, Ukraine has been invaded. The Israelis know what that feeling's like to have that mm-hmm. ominous threat nonstop, and they're on the right side of things. So how much, how much more, how much better would missile defense be if the Israelis would share some of their Iron Dome technology and actual, uh, uh, their actual weapons themselves with Ukraine? And do you think he would do that? Uh, it would be much better. Uh, when I was a Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, my other hat was Commander U.S. European Command. And part of that, Brian, was I was in charge of all military-to-military activity with Israel. Came to know Benny Gantz, who was the head of their military, yeah. General Gabi Ashkenazi, President Shimon Peres, met Bibi Netanyahu on several occasions. Um, you have categorized it correctly. They try and maintain a good relationship with Russia, and not just for the Syrian targets, but also for trade and economics. But I think Israel is waking up to where the right side of history is. And these Iron Dome systems are highly, highly effective. They're tactical. They could tuck in under the coverage that the Patriot provides. And here's the punchline, Brian. They're very simple to operate. You can train up people on that Iron Dome very quickly. So I think we should be gently encouraging our Israeli friends to take that step forward. And I don't think Russia uh, is going to break relations with Israel over that. And the other thing is Iran is in this game with those with those uh, with those suicide uh, drones uh, with the the drone taking and they're really inflicting damage. So do you want. It's okay for Iran to get in for Russia. Uh, it's not okay for Israel to help out Ukraine. You, you, they can't have it both ways. That's exactly right. And uh, by the way, the Iranians are providing not only those drones that you correctly mentioned, but also very sophisticated surface-to-surface missiles. Iran has a very capable arms production program, conventional arms. And uh, the fact that 
uh, Russia and Putin have to go on bended knee to the Iranians tells you how depleted their own stocks are. And you are exactly right. The two situations are comparable. And I don't think Russia is going to break relations with Israel over this. Uh, final thought, China has correctly in this case leaned away and is not providing yeah. any kind of weapons to Russia. That's a good thing. That's another reason Putin will not use a nuclear weapon. He knows China would flip in a minute if he did that. Well, I will say this. They keep on reaffirming their relations and talking about how, how you know, wh- how we can help. Maybe they're not giving military, uh, but I'm sure they're, they did. Nothing seems to be um, uh, nothing seems to have broken between the two countries. Right. That is true. And yeah. we ought to be careful about observing that relationship as it comes closer and closer together and worry about Iran, Russia, and China kind of drawing together. And if you really want to conclude the witch's brew, you throw North Korea in there. That becomes uh, a very difficult set of challenges the closer they draw together. Uh, lastly, the uh, Congress has uh, gotten rid of the mandate for the military, but they have not agreed to reinstate those kicked out because they didn't get the vaccine. Uh, so I, I, I can't get my head around that. If you're saying to people you don't have to get, you no longer have to get the vaccine to stay in the military, and you kicked out 3,000 Marines, 7,000, whatever the number, I think it's 20,000, you can't have both ways, can you? I think you can, Brian. We're going we're gonna to view this differently, I think. But as someone who served in the military and got 11 different vaccines through the course of my career, took 14 anthrax shots, and believe me, I didn't want to do it, and that was a much more uh, experimental vaccine than COVID. And the point is, in, your, in the military, while you're on active duty, you obey orders. If you don't want to do that, then you should look to get kicked out of the military. And I think that the Congress, a number of folks in the Congress have tried the reinstatement route, and that was rejected uh, by the Congress. So here I think we look at what the Congress is doing. I think that uh, not making it a, a mandatory vaccine going forward, personally, I think medically that's a mistake from everything I can look at. But the Congress has spoken. Equally, the Congress has spoken that we are not going to reinstate and I don't think you'll find many active duty people, many of whom took those shots and didn't want to, when others said, nope, I don't want that shot. And uh, I don't think too many want those particular people back as their shipmates because they disobeyed orders. Right. I would say you, you present a strong case, and that's a good point for the people that did take it. I took it. You know, I'm not taking any exactly. boosters. Uh, I, I took it when, it when it first came out. I understood it. But now, as we see, they told it it was 93% effective. Now the number's under 50. And then they, then Brian, they say to themselves, now we have all these variants. And if you are in the military, uh, if you're in the military, you say to me, second, nine out of every 10 people that died from it were over 65. In theory, these are the people in the best shape of their lives. And you now have a situation where if you give me a smallpox vaccine, I'm not getting smallpox. I'm not getting polio either. And I'm probably, it's, I'm going to have resistance to anthrax. But I'm getting COVID-19. So these people who are taught to be lieutenants and make instant uh, decisions out in the field as captains, and uh, all of a sudden they go, yeah, I'm okay with that, or I have a religious exemption, and you go, you're out. And, and also there's got to be a practical side to this, Admiral. We don't have enough people, and recruiting goals are less. And to see 
when people on the outside look at this and say, all right, I'm not getting a vaccine, so I'm not even signing up. I'm not even going to go into the military now because I don't want it. So all these factors, in a practical sense, we don't have 20,000 people to kick out, do we? Um, First of all, 98% of the force is vaccinated, took the shots. Um, The recruiting problems we're facing, believe me, are bigger than uh, COVID-19. They had to do with uh, very low unemployment in the country, lots of job opportunities. And frankly, it's hard being in the military. So if you can get a good job on the outside, a lot of people are going to do that. But final thought here, Brian, to your point, um, yes, with all the variants, um, this getting the shot is not going to guarantee you won't get uh, COVID-19. But, and I think you know this, it, it deeply reduces how sick you get and whether you get hospitalized. And that gets into a readiness issue for the force. We want to force that if they do get COVID, is not going to be hospitalized, not going to be knocked out of action by being sick. That's a difference between yeah. death and sickness. And again, as a military person, every single year I got a flu shot. Didn't always feel great after it, but I followed the science that told me that less of a chance of being severely ill with flu if I got that shot. So it's a readiness issue in my view. And look, Brian, this is one that people are going to disagree on. In my view, it's a shame that the vaccine has become politicized, but that's the reality of where we are. Right. You should give some religious exemptions. Nobody in the military basically got religious exemptions, which I think that's crazy. I mean, that, that wouldn't be the reason why I didn't take it, but there's probably some very religious people that say that's the reason I'm not taking it. But uh, how could you get are, none? I think there are fair arguments on both sides of this yeah. one. Um, you and I are just going to disagree, but we'll have a glass of eggnog and continue the conversation offline. I, I think it's going to be wine. Uh, and, and maybe maybe beer, <laughs> Even too. Even better. Admiral, thanks so much. I hope to see you next week or two weeks from oh, now. Oh, you will. All right. You Admiral, will. I'll see you then. Thanks. Absolutely. Bye. Admiral Bye. James Trevitt is back in a moment. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. As I'm sure everyone who's been docked and uh, would agree, you know, uh, showing real-time uh, information about somebody's location is uh, inappropriate, and I think everyone on this call would not like that to be done put to them. And and there's not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, so-called journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're, you're just, you're, you're a Twitter, you're just, you're a citizen. Uh, no special treatment. Um you dox, you dox, you get suspended. And he did that. And he did that with uh, about four or five different reporters. That was actually Elon Musk on the call with a bunch of reporters who he suspended. But this doesn't seem to be well thought out. They came back, and I don't have time to roll it in now, but they came back and they said to him, we didn't dox you. We did not give up your address. Everything that we gave out was his public knowledge in the public domain. And he ended up hanging up on the call. But I think... He's going to get himself in the same trouble that Trump gets himself into. Fundamentally, he might be right, but he's got to think these things out because it becomes policy. Instead of one, he's not just a rich, powerful guy. If you were going to say that Twitter is in the public domain, even if it's not publicly traded, I think you have to have a policy 
that, that has a board involved. Get, if I'm Elon Musk, get me out of that day-to-day. I got seven major companies to run. I got to go to Mars. So I don't want to be deciding if a Washington Post story, an article, is offensive to somebody at Fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Uh, coming up shortly, Shannon Bream, bottom of the hour. Lawrence Jones, he had a big 30th birthday. 30th birthday last night over at Del Frisco's. A big celebration there, great video. So we'll talk to Lawrence about that. He's also going to help me out on One Nation tonight. Uh, on Saturday night, rather, uh, he's going to be doing the, doing the news duel, and then he has his show live at 10. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I hope that he does seek re-election. He's been a great and look president. look at what he's accomplished. You a think lot he of people, should run again? Yeah, he's done an excellent, excellent job. And he runs, I'm going to support him all the way. Uh, having dinner with, uh, with Schumer and Pelosi. What a dream date. Uh, that is what's happening on CNN. Not here. But Jill's all in. That means Joe is all in to run again, believe it or not, two years from now. What does that mean? Will anyone try to run against him in his own party? And what does it mean for the only declared candidate, Donald Trump? Number two. Well, everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're a, you're a citizen. Uh, no special treatment. You dox, you dox, you get suspended. Elon Musk on the line with people that he suspended from Twitter on Twitter spaces. Musk erupts, allowing a personal dox to result in many suspensions. Now, it doesn't seem like a good move for the company, but it is kind of interesting to see the Washington Post, CNN, and New York Times on the other side of things for the first time ever. Question, is this the best practice for Twitter in particular? Number one. The end of Title 42 we all knew was coming, and I have asked over and over again the administration, what is your plan when this ends? And they kept saying, we're going to have this great plan. Well, they released out to us their plan. Their plan is the same six-point plan they've had the entire year. It's unbelievable, and it's a six-point plan that has not worked, not to be believed. The administration says they've done the work and are ready for the end of Title 42, but not a single American believes this as we watch a massive wave right now if you watch, if you're watching television at Eagle Pass, thousands streaming in. Joining me now is Shannon Bream. Shannon was kind enough to have me on last week. Shannon, thanks so much for having me on for the President Freedom Fighter and just to talk generally about life. Well, I mean, we've got a lot to discuss at all times. <laughs> we so, do. I mean, we should allow the people into the conversation like we do on Fridays. Right. And we did on Sunday. Uh, absolutely. So, Shannon, this is the biggest story. How long can the president duck this story? He's hiding out, hiding out in Delaware again this weekend when we know the most important thing for the country is the evaporation of Title 42 and what is happening is. at the border. You Look at our screen right now, Shannon. Yep, exactly. And when you have Democrats increasingly calling him out and saying to the White House, like, you have to go to the border, you have to address this, you got to see it for yourself, you can't keep putting your head in the sand. I mean, it is one of those issues that, um, you know, a lot of people don't think about it day to day, but it is now increasingly becoming on their radar. Not only is Title 42 going to lift, what I, one border agent that I talked with, one official said, right now about 60 to 70 percent of their time is spent and being pulled to administrative stuff, getting people through the paperwork and the system as it currently is, broken, but how it currently works. They think after Title 42 is lifted, it could be up to 90% of what Border Patrol is doing 
is handling the administrative stuff, not, you know, cracking down on cartels, cracking down on fentanyl, uh-huh. cracking down on the drug trade and the human trafficking, but processing people. Um, and that is just not sustainable. And I, it's so much more. It's such an insult to hear the press secretary say the president's not just not going to show up as a photo op. It could be a photo op if you choose it to be. Uh, mm-hmm. But you also you could get things done. And also, as we discussed, I think, on Sunday, uh, when you show up, the president, when the president shows up, things happen. And if you don't like photo ops, don't don't go up here and light the Christmas tree, uh, which I think he's going to do uh, or has done already. Uh, don't uh, don't appear at the White House lawn. Uh, don't to, pardon to, turkeys. Yeah, don't pardon turkeys. Don't appear on the White House lawn in front of 5,000 people and legalize interracial marriage, which I didn't know was legal. It was such a relief to know we could finally uh, <laughs> green light that, which the president yeah. talked about Lady Gaga. So this is all it, it – you know, I couldn't believe that explanation. So I just don't know how much longer other than the other networks can not cover this. Well, I noticed CNN it, did a little bit. Well, and, and when you have Governor Gavin Newsom out of California starting to talk about the border, want to visit, want to talk about how his state is being overwhelmed, Eric Adams up there in New York asking for federal money, saying we're being overwhelmed by illegal immigration. When Democrats are now calling out the White House, I think mainstream media is going to have to pay attention to it. I mean, the numbers are there. It's just hard data. If you don't look at it through any kind of partisan lens, you know, we're up um, October now to October, I think, three or four years ago, up 400, more than 400 percent, the amount of uh, encounters that we're having at the border. And when you do have Democrats out there openly saying this is a problem the White House needs to fix, I don't think they can duck it much longer. Shannon, are you going to be discussing this Sunday? Do you know how you're going to approach Absolutely. it? We've got Democrat Congresswoman Veronica Escobar with us. We also have Republican uh, Texas Congressman Chip Roy with us. They agree that there is a massive problem. Now, do they agree about how to solve it? Not necessarily, but we're going to host that conversation and try to see if there is any room anywhere for an appetite to get something done. You know when Republicans have been in charge of everything in Washington, when Democrats have been in charge of everything in Washington, they don't get it done. But we're reaching a breaking point now um, where Border Patrol says, why are we even showing up for work? This is just completely unsustainable. And we're going to talk about what's on the table. So with Twitter, every day this is a story that we choose to cover. And and I don't see why Mm -hmm. wouldn't we wouldn't, but other people uh, do not. So now I think they are. So yesterday, last night, uh, suspended the accounts were suspended for Donnie O'Sullivan of CNN, Drew Harwell of Washington Post, Ryan Mack of The New York Times, and Aaron Ruper of The Independent. Why? Elon Musk said he was personally doxxed by these guys at publishing his location off this other person who insists on charting where his private plane goes. And he says his family was in jeopardy because the personal information was out there. So believe it or not, on Twitter spaces, which I don't even know exactly what it is, but these guys, these reporters that were suspended, got on what seems like a telephone call, right? It seems this is Twitter spaces, so this is a call. Is that how you describe it, Eric? Kind of like Zoom, yeah, it's an audio meeting space. An audio meeting space, okay. So I want you to hear this exchange. Cut 10. You're, you're suggesting that we're sharing your uh, address, which is not not true. Um, and you're suggesting that we're, we're posting. True. We never, uh, I, I never posted your address. You posted a link to your address. We posted a link. We, in, in the re- course of reporting about Elon Jet, we posted links to Elon Jet, which are now not, online um, and now banned on on Twitter. And and Twitter also, of course, marks even the Instagram and Mastodon accounts of Elon Jet 
as as harmful using you know we have to admit acknowledge using the same exact link blocking technique that you have criticized as part of the hunter biden new york post story in 2020 so what is different yeah. here it's and no there more acceptable for me it's, it's no more acceptable for me for you than it is for me same thing so anyway uh, so it's unacceptable what you're doing no what you you, you dox you get suspended end of story that's it so the guy's trying to say i didn't publish your address and i think you overdid it he can't you can't have a, this guy making decisions every day shanna whether you agree with him or not this is this can't be the way you suspend people correct yeah, I agree. You got to have policies in place because that was the criticism over the previous yeah. leadership is that they, you know, mutated policies as they chose, given circumstances for certain people that they wanted to either take off or suspend or punish in some way. And if you're going to be critical of that and you're calling for transparency and that's been your whole messaging about taking over Twitter, then you know people are going to apply it to you. It's it's going to have to work in reverse. So what they, what the CNN said, the impulsive and unjustified suspension of a number of reporters, including Donnie O'Sullivan, is concerning but not surprising. Twitter's increasing instability and volatility should be of incredible concern for everyone who uses the platform. We have asked Twitter for an explanation. We will reevaluate our relationship based on that response. Right. Now they're worried about the instable and unstable. I mean, if you say that this is the same stuff that was happening in reverse or that you're you're criticizing him for not living up to undoing it, then you're admitting it was happening. Right. You know what I mean? Like you were concerned then. So he's paid $44 billion for it. He says, I didn't do it to... Uh, to just allow satire, uh, satirical sites to get back on the air or people to get uh, back on Twitter. I did it to make a difference in the public square. So just set up some a board between you that is public or and, and, and set it up. I'm not smart enough to start a social platform. No one's looking for me to lead them. But this is not working. Uh, and a rich guy at night thinking his privacy is breached is not working. Who else can we expect to see on, Shannon? Well, it's not a repeat performance of Brian Kilmeade, which is highly disappointing. Yes. But we are going to have Alexi Lawless and Rob Stone on to preview the World Cup because in most markets, if you're watching on your local affiliate, we are on an hour early. So leading up to the World Cup, we're actually going to have people like you who understand what's going on and who the players are, unlike me. Um, I'm still trying to figure out the terminology of their costumes or apparently kits. Um, uh-huh. Sheldon says you can't call them costumes or uniforms or kits. I don't know. Um, messy, Mbappe, am I saying that right? I mean, we're going to have people actually know what they're talking about to preview the whole thing live from on scene before it happens. Wow. Uh, Shannon, they're not costumes, they're uniforms. And kits <laughs> is a sophisticated way, about, but there's a, most Americans call them uniforms. Is but, a kit just the jersey or is the whole yeah, thing? The whole thing. The whole thing. You got short, you know, short sleeve, long sleeve. You have, uh, you know, my, yeah, but the have shorts and all that stuff, like the whole kit, thing. Like socks, the outfit is the kit. Shin pads, yeah. Uh, that's okay, the, can that's you call the jersey a kit or is it just a jersey? No, it's a jersey. Okay. Together it's a kit. You this is why kit? we come to you for the expert analysis. Right. So do you need me co-hosting with you all show just for the Lawless interview? I'm going to bring you in just for the World Cup. <laughs> no, listen. All I can tell you is <laughs> we Fox can't is, afford you. Your you, prices you are can say high. this. According to your sources, the coverage has been unbelievable. Rob Stone is fantastic. And Lawless, not only was Lawless an unbelievable player – as a former, I believe, captain of the national team, mm-hmm. he is more into it as even better as an analyst. So he is hair. he is the John Madden of I wouldn't say John Madden, but I would say that he is one of the leading. The John McEnroe? The, yeah, um, <laughs> I'd say McEnroe. I, I'll take okay, McEnroe. Okay, of the two Johns. I would, take, I would say Mac, more McEnroe, less Barkley because he's not, okay. not the humor thing, but he's got mm. the research and the passion.
I love it. I'll tell him you said so. All right, Chad and Bream, have a great show. Early Sunday. See you then. I will I will be watching. Oh. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'm going to take your calls and then welcome in Lawrence Jones at the bottom of the hour. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You cannot be serious! Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we are back. one 408 So I just, I haven't gotten as into the Elon Musk thing as much as pos- as much as I wanted to. Uh, we have a lot to go over yet this hour. And I got Lawrence Jones at the bottom of the hour, and I'll probably expand on it then. But I did not even know the audio existed in Twitter spaces when we were doing the show, when we were doing this topic on Fox & Friends. But it does look like Elon Musk did not react with rationality. And that's the way he's done so many great things. And what he's exposed now and has allowed these hearings to be instead of a mismatch between the social media moguls, these cyber experts and lawmakers who can't possibly at their age and with their aptitude. And, you know, they just don't have an expertise in that area. I think there's maybe one or two out of a body of 100 in the Senate and maybe a handful in the House. But now that Elon Musk has unmasked the makings and the uh, the inner workings of a major place like uh, Twitter and that unmasked what shadow banning is and what they did and who was involved. Now they can sit around and say, did you to Facebook? Hey, did you do your version of shadow banning? Don't let him go around with semantics and different verbs. Did you do your version of shadow banning when it comes to Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, when it came to Dr. Marty McCary or Dr. Mark Siegel? Did you did you squelch the Fox News feed that might have had things that were critical of Anthony Fauci because of the origins of the illness, that things were, were wear a mask, don't wear a mask? Were you out there, if anyone retweeted or put in there that hybermect um, – Ivermectin had helped my family member. Did you quickly freeze that account? I need to know. And like Twitter, what makes you think that Meta and all these others were not doing the same exact thing? So he's, he's done so much by you being one of the few on the planet to be able to spend $44 billion on Twitter. Don't blow it by acting what seemed to be irrationally overnight. And doxing, I guess, when they give up your personal information and put your family in jeopardy. Maybe one of them did. But you just froze all these accounts, and it looks like you have no system. I mean, if you're Elon Musk and you own the place, I think he's got to go back to a board and set up a board. He doesn't have to. It's his private, and he owns it. But if you want credibility to be a source for the AP and to be a source for Fox and other things, you got to be somewhat rational. And evidently between Donnie O'Sullivan, Drew Harwell, Ryan Mack, Aaron Ruper, I've never heard of any of them. You froze all of them, and you just don't want to give major corporations an excuse to sign off on Twitter. Because now I could finally go there. I want to know that all different opinions. I don't care what the New York Times says. I want to have it out there in front of me. I don't want to be kept from it. I don't want to be shadow banned. I don't want to froze out your account because you don't agree. And I just think this is a very important time. Don't give the critics something to go for. So Mike Solano uh, tweeted this out. So far, I've been able to confirm that about half the account suspended posted links to the jet tracker thing in violation of the new doxing policy. 
the jet tracker tracks rich and famous people, and it was great for the oligarchs because we found out where they were and how much they were spending to be able to get their assets. And by the way, I haven't heard much about getting the oligarch stuff anymore. The tracker thing in violation of the doxing policy. Unclear just yet about the rest, but I think it's safe to say uh, the rule is for real. And what was brought up in the exchange that we just heard is these guys are just trying to say, I just re- I reposted something that's already been out there in the public domain that's on other sites. It's not a problem. But just make it clear, AOC tweets out, you're a public figure, an extremely controversial, powerful one. I get, feel, I get feeling unsafe, but descending into abuse of power, critically banning journalists only increases the intensity around you. Take a beat and lay off the proto-fascism. There you go, acting ridiculous. Proto-fascism, maybe try putting down your phone. She should be talking about putting down your phone. She went on. As someone who has been the subject to real and dangerous plots, I do get it. I didn't have security and have experienced many scary incidents. In fact, many of the right-wing outlets you now evaluate, publish, fo- you now elevate, publish photos of my home, car, etc. At a certain point, you got to disconnect. Okay, uh, I think he. You didn't spend forty-four billion dollars on this. You just tweet when you want to. It's not a matter of disconnecting. You offer your hands on. By the way, he also got to the place. And I think one of the great, great things he did. Let's say if you don't want to work hard, you got to quit. A lot of people quit. You don't take days off. you got to come to work. A lot of people quit. Uh, he said if you don't get an email by a certain time, a lot of people were fired. And I hope he has an approach to this. But as Barry Weiss said in evaluating what he just did, Barry Weiss says, I've written an essay about her work on Twitter files in which she offers numerous reflections about Twitter's old regime, the power of the tech giants over information, her observations on Elon Musk, and what it means to the company that everyone else uh, – now that the Tesla and SpaceX billionaire controls the platform. But here's a quick excerpt of what she said. Old Twitter was moderated by the morals and mores of one group. Now it is moderated by the morals and mores of one man. If I took, more, took anything away from my week at Twitter, it's about power. It's about how a handful of unselected people at a handful of private companies can influence public discourse profoundly because all of those people tended to move and think as one. They all agreed. There is something refreshing about Musk barging into Twitter Tower on Market Street and turning over the tables. But I'm not sure anyone should have that kind of power. Great conversation. Great conversation. Now that you leveled the playing field, let's keep it level. And also, most of this is unplowed ground. Social media is still very new in the scheme of things. It's not the newspapers. It just evolved. So let's get it right. I think they can get it right. I hope that Congress can get it right in a non-election year. Brian Kilmeade Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Lawrence Jones is here. Uh, he is getting ready right now uh, to appear. We're talking to your people now, or is it official? I, I was up in on the air. So you were going to appear people. on One Nation? Oh, yeah, I'm going to be on one day. It's all done? The contract's confirmed. All right, so we're going to do a news story right before your show. And <laughs> I know. Then you'll have an hour to relax. Right, right, right. You know, honestly, I say yes because I go, you know, I'm kind of tired today. We've been drinking, having a good – it's been a, a Christmas party. It was Fox your birthday party, party last night. It was a birthday party, but we've been having these parties all week. And I go, I can't say I'm tied to Brian. Because he's the only guy <laughs> that works more hours than me at the network, so right. I, I, I had to I had to do it. I you had a real hard job because I, you have really every week you met your schedule's different because you it travel. Is different. It is different, but you know what? It's an honor to do it, and I get to meet so many great people, tell their stories, and you know, work hard like you. 
Yeah. And then maybe I can get, you know, a three-hour radio show. Oh, the radio. Three-hour TV show. You're on another the hour on the weekend. At 30, I wasn't even here yet. I got hired at 32. You just turned 30 uh, this week. Yeah. So this is what happened. You were on Fox and Friends. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was actually your birthday on Friday. Right. And then when you said, well, my ah. birthday was earlier in the week. And you just sat there and I go, oh, my God. If I say, well, why is your party wrong? I could be blowing the surprise. I'm like, could I be blowing the surprise well, on national television? I didn't know that you knew yeah, I knew about that the Sean party. Hannity and Suzanne Scott threw you a party. Yeah, I, I knew about the party. But I, I said to myself, I go, you know, Brian normally fights back with me. And he just, like, took it when I gave him all this right. nonsense. And I, I go, I, I, I knew something was off. I said, this is not, this is... Right. He's not himself today. Right. And here's the thing. It's only fun being sarcastic if the other person's sarcastic. If you if you look like a bully yeah. and you're being sarcastic, <laughs> then all of a sudden I look. Yeah, I so you look like the bad guy. I know. You're like, poor, like, helpless Brian. like, oh, man. I'm like, man. Yeah, that Lawrence like, Jones getting first, full of himself. The first time somebody <laughs> feels sorry for Brian Kilby. Yeah, he, got, he goes, yeah. Well, my birthday was the other day. I go, <laughs> hmm. I go, wow. I, go, oh. I can't be the one to break. No, right, right. right. You so, would have never heard the last of it. Ainsley uh, gave you so much. And right. then Sean and then Steve. So are you going to put that tape? So so people at home know uh, Lawrence Jones, who has uh, Lawrence Jones Cross Country uh, mm-hmm. Saturdays at 10 o'clock Eastern time, uh, repeats through the day. And that, that's me. My stomach is, is – I, mean, I haven't eaten in a long time. So that's my stomach <laughs> growling. Uh, so, so, I mean, is he mad at him? Oh, my you God. You brought your dog. Uh, Lawrence, you brought your dog here. Can you guys hear that? Look at that. What are you upset oh, with? The dog is growling. Right? <laughs> ah, so, and she never growls. Right. She's like, what is going on? I'm like, what's going on here? Right. All right so, I thought it was some construction going on. So they had a 30th birthday Fooey for then. you yesterday. They had a surprise uh, at, party. At Del Fresco. Yeah. Del Fresco. And yeah. they flew your family in That was the big you. surprise. It was like, so my mom and dad, like, you know, they I protect my family because, you know, we get into this business and it's just brutal, brutal. People come after you. And, you know, my folks are just Most Southern people folks. like you, though, right? Most people they, are. Well, I, I think so. But, you know, it's you never know with some of these people. They just come after you for no reason, uh, especially with me. I can be on the south side of Chicago telling a story in middle America. And then, you know, the obvious thing is, you know, I'm a young black male working at Fox News. And so you got some detractors that are social media people, not the real people, because they see me doing the work in the community. So I, I kind of shield my family from, you know, all this. And, you know, I, I explicitly tell my team, my parents, do not reach out to them. Don't do everything. No surprises. So Suzanne and Sean, they got outranked. And they said, give me the number. They're, they're getting on the plane. And sure enough, they walked into the, the party. And it just blew me away because, you know, I really – I do everything because of my parents. My mom got pregnant with me at 16. My dad immediately married my mom. How old was your dad? How much older was your dad? So my dad was two years older, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have been together since the sixth grade. he looks so young. I mean, since the sixth grade, yeah. yeah. So my dad just celebrated his 50th birthday. My mom's 47, getting ready to turn 48. And um, yeah, they it, it just blew me away that they made, they, they don't do this type of stuff, especially my dad. He's such a hard, you know what? He's a truck driver. Truck driver, and, and he did not want to take a day off. He does. He don't want to take a day off, and you know he's he was hard on me as a child. So we never got told, "Hey, I'm proud of you." It's like do what you're supposed to do. You know, he was on just like pushing us, pushing us, pushing us. So to see my dad walk through that day, it just really just brought me to tears. Wow. Know? Uh, and you gave a great speech, and so did Sean give a Thank really you. good speech. And Dana Perino gave a great oh speech. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was a great one. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to have um, 
so many great mentors. But, you know, my career started with Fox and Friends. You know, Lauren Pedersen, when she was just a producer, put me on Fox and Friends weekend, then put me on the weekday. And then, you know, Dana Perino saw me. Then Sean Hannity made me his correspondent. It's I've been so fortunate. Uh, well, you're doing a great job, obviously. You. So you do and you produce, and, they, and Sean thought you were natural. But Dana's comments, too, just about <laughs> how you yourself, the authentically you, and how he brought that out, what stood out with you? With well, well, Brian, you talk about this sometimes, too, about in order to – I remember in the 25th anniversary video, you say, in order to be successful at Fox, you got to be yourself. And when I denied the job that Sean Hannity was giving me, I said, I guess I'm a libertarian, you know, man, you're going to d- disagree sometimes. He said, that's the secret sauce. You got to be yourself. Just be LJ. Yeah. I, I, I'll never try to get you to be something that you're not. And honestly, that that's the entire company. People keep asking why we're number one. We're, we're number one because all these other networks have fake personalities. And I don't think they these personalities want to be fake. I think the corporate executives say you, they think this is what the audience wants. And we relate to the audience because we are the audience. Right. We're, we come from middle America. We're from all over the country. It would be hard to give the company marching orders because we're all so different. Right. And um, your tape, are you going to post your tape online? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a highlight tape. <laughs> it's a, Everybody's a Martha McCallum's on it. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll post that one. All I right, you we'll got to post that, that one. I got I to gotta check with management. You know, I try not to get in trouble that much. Oh, yeah, so just I, I, to make sure I, I, it's okay. For yeah, 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 yeah. I'll make sure Suzanne okays it. First. Right, but if you're not getting in trouble, you know, if you're not pushing the envelope. But see, yeah. when you're Brian Kilme, you know, and he runs up the company tab all the time, right? They give him millions and millions of dollars. There's no limit. Contract. There's no limit. And, and, and he wants to expense everything. And if you watch Fox Friends, you'll see when I'm on the road sometimes, he goes, how, Why haven't you run out of clothes? And I, he goes, Just put it on the company card. I do. And, yeah. and meanwhile, and I get in trouble for it. I get right. in trouble for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm trying to get you in trouble. <laughs> and uh, what I'm trying to do is, I'm just trying to say, as you go out there, I remember my first trip. What I tell in the story is I was a sports guy. Mm -hmm. So the World Series happens. Fox is covering it. So the Marlins against the Cleveland Indians. No problem. I got the clothes. It's Miami, right? So I got to leave from Miami. I have no winter clothes. I just showed shorts. So what did you do? So I went to Target, and I bought one winter jacket. (laughs) I had to fight. And at that time, I like almost had no money. I mean, literally, I knew where every dime was going. So I bought one into the Target. I bought one with your jacket. I look really good in that jacket, but I was not willing to stake my job on it. They go, we're not going to reimburse you for your jacket. You should have taken a jacket. I go, really? I got to take a jacket to Miami? Right. And where it goes. Where's, so, where's hot? Took six months to get that jacket You're satisfied. Yeah, me. I think it was 80 bucks. <laughs> Whatever. Boy, have so, time changed. Yeah, time changed. Now it's a little bit different. Um, you know, no one, you know, they want me to buy a coat. They're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So I have endorsement deals. And, now. See, right. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you know, I, I, I grew up, I shopped at Target, but you know, sometimes I want to get a little fancy. Oh yeah. You know? I go to Target all the time. And, 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 you know, I, I get, you know, I, I want to get a nice jacket. Oh, you have a, so. you have a good look. You're, you're pretty fashionable. <laughs> right. I mean, the fashion matters to you. It, it, it does matter to me. You know, I, when my parents, when we didn't have any money, we used to go to the Goodwill. And my mom taught me how to sew. And we would go to the rich neighborhood when they were done with their clothes and they would put it on in there. And no one knew it was a thrift store sh- uh, suit. I used to wear a suit at least three days a week to school. Really? Mm-hmm, in high so, school. So you can sew? I can sew. I uh, know how to button hook. No, it's not a button hook. A rug hook. I can rug hook. I can rug hook. Not button hook. Button hook is a pattern in football. Uh, you I, make your wife shovel the snow. Right. Okay. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put snowing as one of your, I mean, uh, you know, sewing as one of your things. When you make the wife, 
I can't believe this. And that's the difference from New Yorkers and Texans. We would never do such a thing. It doesn't snow. It, so well, what do you know? It, it does. It, it does snow sometimes. It does. Yeah, once every millennium. But every Haley's Comet. I guarantee you, if it's one in ten years, we will never let our wives shovel the snow. So, Allison, I think we control. should qualify this. The reason why... Dawn has shoveled snow no. for 25 years. 25 years. Because keep going deeper this, and deeper. So, and so it happens. 3 o'clock. Brian, it's going to be a big snowstorm. You're going to have to stay the night. So every time there's a big storm, you've got to get there early. So you don't shovel at 3 in the morning. So next thing you know, there's a snowstorm. I'm covering it. And Dawn shoveling out because I have to work. So Do you follow me? I, that's so, what I do. I report no, 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 on, no, no. on I'm, natural I'm, I'm, disasters. I'm, I'm not following because, you know, you're the great Brian Kilmeade. That's okay. how I refer to myself. You have people, people, okay? We're all the shows. <laughs> you have people, people. Your people have people. You mean to tell me you right. can hire some kid that lives down the street to shovel the snow for the wife? No, for 25 years. You know, I, I just I don't understand this. Well, I think, for number one, she likes it. Oh, she likes it? <laughs> she likes it. She never really said that, that she right. likes it. But she never. <laughs> We always, she's going to send pictures for now. And this is going to really By the way, up. his wife is the sweetest thing. I met her at the oh, Patreon yeah, oh, Awards. Yeah, you she was that. so kind. I mean, well, totally, you should, you totally should different from Brian Kilmeade. Well, totally different. I, I was, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. So she said she met everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, uh, she doesn't go to a, a lot of stuff because, number one, we have three little kids. Someone's mm-hmm. got to uh, stay home. Unless you're Allison. Hey, <laughs> Allison comes it. with me. She has three little kids. But – um so when the kids got older, I'm like, you know, the Patriot Awards, my whole neighborhood's going. They didn't even ask me. They're going. They just want to go. Really? They loved it. They just thought it was unbelievable, and I think it is great at Hard Rock. I think you agree, mm-hmm. right? It was a great so, time. So Don was like, I, I'm going to go. My whole neighborhood's going. Okay, great. So it was amazing. You couldn't go anywhere, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, it I mean, was packed. It's, it was it's packed an capacity. honor. But no, but wherever you go, you can't get anywhere. You're done. And it's an honor. I'm it not is. complaining. It is. But you can't move. You can't move. So, Sardines. So he Dawn sees you in the coffee shop, and she's dying to meet you. So she goes, he's sitting there saying to himself, I have one moment to myself. I just want to buy coffee. She, you know he doesn't. She goes, I'm going to go up to him. And she says, when he first looked at me, he was like, okay, I'll take a picture. And then he goes, no, I'm Brian's wife. And then he said, you was the nicest guy. Oh. I'll take a picture. But she doesn't ask to see anyone. That's so sweet. I mean, you and John Scott were the two. Really? No, John Scott's not really. John Scott's very standoffish. <laughs> Yeah, I never want to, you know that. Right, he makes pencils, though. Does he really? John Scott can make pencils. You know he's a pilot as well. He's unbelievable. Right? He's Mr. Isn't Everything. Isn't that crazy? And I just saw a video online on Instagram that he's one of these people putting the skateboards together for the kids. I did not know is, that. How great is that? He's a good guy. I love him. Oh, love he's, him. A, he's a good guy. I wish he was more professional, though. Right. <laughs> I wish he took his job more seriously. See, this is... This is why you can't go on radio, because then it becomes workplace gossip, okay? <laughs> and then, you know, what, what are you going to turn this to Brian Kilmeade's a reality show? What is it? The real, I think it could be. The Real Husbands of Fox? What is this right now? At what point, uh, Allison, do we tell him that we're on Fox Nation? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so there's no secret. Not only people are on Fox Nation stream. All right, so um, we're going to take a short time out. Okay. How many, how many uh, blocks did we book Lawrence for? Okay, Lawrence is going to stick around. Okay, I'll Back stick around. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
Drew Harlow, who's, who's one of the uh, reporters at the, at the Washington Post who was suspended, he put out a statement saying, Elon says he is a free speech champion and he is banning journalists for exercising free speech. I think that calls into question uh, his commitment. But look, I mean, I think in terms of me personally, many of the national reporters at, at the Times and the Post, we're OK. I'm on the Anderson Cooper show. Um, we have a platform. And just like when Trump got kicked off, we can post elsewhere. Uh, I do think this is very important about the potential chilling impact this might have for freelance journalists, independent journalists around the world, particularly those who cover Elon Musk's other companies like Tesla and SpaceX. I think mm. this could have a real chilling factor. Listen to this clown, Donnie O'Sullivan, ignoring the story about Twitter's purchase for months. Nobody at CNN even covering it. And now he's like, well, I got suspended, so I'm worried about other independent journalists. What were you worried about, Lawrence Jones? What was he worried about for years if you were a Republican or a New York Post writer or all these other people that were shadow banned? Now he's worried? By the way, that was when it was a public platform. Now it's privately owned. Right. So the the standards are totally different right now. Now, look, like I said, I want to see what's happening right here. I want to get the context of it. I believe if Elon was truly doxed, he has merit to do that. But apparently they're claiming that they weren't doxing and all that. Brian, you make the point that there needs to be some type of system in place to do that. Yeah. And I agree. You can't just unilaterally be going back. I mean, he is the boss. He can do that. But I'm just saying if you're going to be a free speech purist, which I think Elon is, you know, you got to have a consistent principle right there. But I'm not going to take the bait from the media on this and then be so outraged when uh, – a former president of the United States, when he was president at the time, got banned, and they didn't think that was chilling? Right. They didn't think it was chilling that the FBI and other federal agencies were coordinating with Twitter and other social media, and now all of a sudden they're hyperventilating. Oh, the report. But see, that's how that's how the press looks at it. It's like, it is us. We're a protected class. We get to do what we want to do. But when Americans are targeted on the on a day to day basis, they have they don't care about it. They right. don't care about they it. They didn't buy, they didn't care that Dr. J. Bhattacharya of Stanford, right? Uh, they 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 get his uh, he was shadow banned, right. Excuse me. And then it's obvious when you're suspended, you're suspended. So uh, Donnie O'Sullivan suspended uh, one week. Drew Harwell suspended one week. Ryan Mack of the New York, uh, Harwell is Washington Post. Ryan Mack of the New York Times and Aaron Ruper of the Independent. They so got it's suspended. not even permanent. No, one week. So yeah. So, <laughs> These- you know what, Brian? You set it up the best way. These clowns. It 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 it, it is clown like behavior. What's going on right, right. here? I listen. If, you're, if I, it hasn't happened to me yet, I'm. I'm but I know Pete Hegseth was really ticked off. Yeah. He got suspended. and He said, "I'm done," and now he's back. But he said, "What I did is I retweeted what a terrorist said," yeah. and they said it was terrorist activity. He goes, "No, this is why." Whatever. So, having said that, how dare he sit there and talk about the worry he has, knowing that. The facts of the story that have been played out, you totally ignored. Now, if they were reporting all week what we were reporting, right? then you could say, oh, I'm a little ticked off. Exactly I think right. he's, yeah, they're doing it again. Now they're doing it to me. It's the but hypocrisy. But you, you can't jump in and jump out, man. It's the hypocrisy, and it goes back to my other point I was making, that they are a different class of people. Think about it. The American people have been targeted. There is evidence. There's polling been done. People saying, Look, if we would have knew about the Hunter, lap, Hunter Biden laptop story, we would have voted differently. Yeah. This, I'm not getting into the whole voter nonsense, but I will say this impacted the election. And the press, which is supposed to be a representative of the people, said nothing about the story. They suppressed the story. And they, you know, this is the part that gives me, they knew the story was true. They knew the story was true. But they didn't care because they knew 
They wanted their guy to win, and they knew it would have impacted them. And, and as this sale goes through, Washington Post says, yeah, I, I did a forensic. No, excuse me, CBS said I did a forensics. It is really his emails. Number two, uh, the New York Times, Washington Post, yeah, those uh, laptop is, is it's real. It's authentic. But, They're just trying to get ahead of it. They're trying to also, say— Also, let's, let's just be frank about it. Okay, our, our, our great friend Catherine here, she's a great reporter. She put this out. If she's not there, that story wouldn't have ever, ever made air— but because she is someone that has integrity, worked with us for many years, that's why the story went out there. I want to see other journalists do it. Where's the primetime special? They spend primetime specials focusing on Fox and what we do here, right, because we're rivals. But they won't fight for the American people. That's, that's our new press right Lawrence, there. who's on your show this week? So um, – I don't know, Brian. I honestly don't know. We, this is the problem with us because we're cross country. We, we we try to finalize it the morning of the morning of. So, all right, let me just uh, tell you where I'm going to be because it's Texas. Okay, uh, I'm it's about be, time. Well, today I'm going to be with Dana Perino. You're jealous. The I Little am. Point Bookshop in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, and then on the 17th Saturday, I'll be with the great listeners KURV 7:10 a.m. Amigo Power Equipment is sponsoring us in Edinburgh, Texas. So this is my invite. You're coming. Okay. Two we planes. Go. We'll go to Houston. Then we're going to take another plane to McCallum. All go. right. Pack there an we outfit. Go. We'll, go to, we'll go to the border as well. we'll Thanks, Lawrence. <laughs> See you, dude. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.